Well, hello and good morning. It is so good to be back with you. I am just so excited about the fall arriving. Uh, in fact, I even hauled out a plaid shirt just because it's the beginning of September. And so I hope you're excited for what has to come. I know it's a bit of a stressful season with kids going back to school for some of you and some of your occupations. Teachers want to do a special shout out to you. We love you and we're for you. We know that you're going into some uh, interesting situations this fall. And so, hey, just a quick shout out to you guys, and we love you. Well, today we are finishing off a mini-series, I've been calling it over the summer, called Half-Truths, Things the Bible Doesn't Say. And so far we've covered things like God won't give you more than you can handle, and God helps those apparently that help themselves. We've talked about the idea of following your heart and how the Bible doesn't say any of those things. And today we're finishing off with one that I know you're excited for. And it's this, it's all dogs go to heaven. And uh, I know you're excited. We had a lot of requests for this one. I'm, okay, I'm just kidding. Obviously, we're not talking about all dogs go to heaven. Um, but what we're talking about today is actually this. All roads lead to God. It's something I've heard many times. It's something I hear every now and then or just kind of like you hear iterations of it. Um, the idea that all there's many paths to God. And in fact, it was made popular by Oprah when she said this, that there are millions of ways to be a human. And many paths to what you call God. She also said, I'm a Christian who believes that there are certainly more paths, many more paths to God other than Christianity. And perhaps you've heard similar things like all religions teach the same thing or all paths lead to God. And so today we're looking at this statement. Maybe if you're, think, you're, you're a Christian, you're thinking, George, what are you saying? I thought you said this is called half-truths. There are no truths in that statement whatsoever. I want you to stay with me uh, and, and I believe you'll be encouraged. What do people mean when they say this, that there are many roads to God? Well, what's a road? Like a, a path, a way, a, a route. Many ways to God. It's this idea that regardless if you want to go there or not, everyone will arrive at the same destination. Well, what's the destination? Well, the destination is God. And what do you mean by God? Perhaps they're talking about some sort of paradise or some sort of afterlife. Or maybe they're meeting their creator. Regardless of your intention or your decisions, everyone's going to end up in this nice, ideal situation at the end of all this. I once heard of someone that had on their tombstone, gone to find out for myself. It's like, on the other side of this life, it's all going to be great for everyone. And before we jump into maybe some of the issues I see with this way of thinking, I want to just say that I understand why people would be attracted to this way of thinking. I mean, it seems compassionate, doesn't it not? It seems compassionate. It seems like the most nice thing to believe, that everyone's included. That, and, and the opposite just seems rude and unjust. It seems like incredibly painful, uh, prideful rather, to say that, that we know the truth, that there's only one way to God. And, but the truth is this, just because something seems the most nice way, just because something seems the most polite doesn't mean it's the most logical. doesn't mean it's the most biblical. Now, there are a number of problems I, I see with thinking this way. And the first is this. See, in hopes of being inclusive, this way of thinking becomes like the very thing it discourages, which is exclusive. See, in saying that there are many ways to God, kind of says that all the ways, all the religions, all the ways of thinking that says there's only one way to God are wrong. So in hopes of being inclusive, they become exclusive. They try and say that, look, no one is truly right. And as they're saying that, they're making the truth statement of, well, I am right. 
And trying to be inclusive, they end up being exclusive themselves. And we cannot all be right. It's impossible for everyone to be right. For everything to be true. And really it's insulting to other religions and ways of thinking to say this. As some religions don't even believe that there is a God. And some believe that there's more than one or millions of gods. Or take atheism for an example. Though it might not be a religion, it's a way of thinking. Try and tell them that their path is leading them to God. And they would say, time out, hold up. See, another way that it's problematic is that while it's based oftentimes in charity and compassion, that doesn't usually last very long if you walk that logic down further down the road. And what began to be inclusive and compassionate becomes to be a little bit more suspicious when we think of things like this. If all roads lead to God, what do we do with extremist or terrorist organization and groups that by killing people, they believe that they are going to see God and be rewarded in certain ways? Or what do we do with abusive cults that make their people kill themselves to see God? Do we truly believe that people who do terrible things in God's name or in the name of, of, of whatever is at the end of this life, do we truly believe that their way is also right? That their path is leading them to God? Oftentimes when you address this, people go, well, not them, not truly bad people. And then you have to ask yourself, well, okay, so it's just some people, just some roads lead to God. I mean, all paths lead to God, unless you're really, really bad, then, well, I guess just some paths lead to God. Okay, so what paths, what standards? And see, by saying all roads lead to God, really someone is making this huge metaphysical spiritual truth statement. It's like saying all roads lead to God though, it may, God, though it may seem nice, though it may seem nice, really what that person is doing and saying in that moment is this. They're really making up their little prepackaged homemade Etsy religion. They're making up their own religion. One not based on a resurrection, one not based on, uh, on facts or history or, or revelation from God or a person. They're making up a religion based completely on their own feelings and thoughts, their own standards of right and wrong. It's this idea of everyone's right and no one is wrong. Everything is true, but truth can't be known. And this is where the gospel, this is where Christianity really has space to speak we, have, we believe in not our feelings or just some thoughts that feels nice or the, the most fair to us as humans. We believe in, in a person. We believe in the reliability of Scripture. We believe in the resurrection being a historical event. And because the resurrection is historical, we can trust what Jesus said about himself, about his divinity, and about him being the only way to God. And so the question is this, what, does Christians, what should Christians believe? About this, what does the Bible say? Do all roads truly lead to God? Are there many ways to God? There are a couple moments in Scripture where we see Jesus say that that is not the case. And one of them, the main one, is in John 14 14 that says this It says, Let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you that. Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And get this, it says, and you know the way to where I am going. So he says to his disciples, you know the way. <laughs> you know the way to where I am going. Thomas says, 
Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus encouraging his disciples says, look, don't be troubled. Believe in me. I'm I'm preparing a place for you. And and, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to that place. And he says, look, you know the way. Thomas goes, no, we don't. (laughs) We don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus says, look, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This question Thomas has, we're asking, what's the way? What's the path? What's the route? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice he doesn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. I mean, if I were just to say a a dog, I could be talking about any dog. But when I say the dog, I'm talking about a specific dog. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't say, I'm a truth. I am a way. He says, I am the way. And, 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 and as if it couldn't get any more clearer, he says this. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. No one gets to go to God except going through Jesus first. Well, what if I'm a, a really good person? What if I have really good intentions or perhaps what if, you know, I've done a lot of humanitarian work or what if I'm actually just, you know what, I'm just trying my best to just, you know, follow something or some sort of moral thing that I've thought up myself. What if I just try my best? No one gets to God except through Jesus. And the truth is this does not sound as cozy and warm and nice, does it? It doesn't sound as polite. Jesus says, I am the way. It's me. Maybe you're thinking, why is it this way? Why is Jesus the only way, apparently? Why did God do it this way? I mean, if I were God, I would... Perhaps you've thought of it like that, where you've said, man, I would have done things so much differently. Well, thankfully, we're not God. See, God could have done whatever he would like, but he had to fix the problem. Jesus is the only way to God because Jesus fixes the problem. Well, what's the problem? See, the problem is that each and every one of us were born with what's called sin inside of us. We were born slanted. We were were born skewed. And the Bible says that our our choice was always towards self, to worship self, to indulge self, to to, to worship ourselves. And, And our souls and our hearts, according to what God says, is that they're actually dead in sin. That and and in that we deserve judgment, we deserve death. Now, God, on the other hand, is perfect. He's holy. And like oil and water, we don't mix. We cannot have relationship with a holy God because of this. And there's this separation. And there's no amount of works. There's no amount of intentions. There's no amount of good, wishful thinking. There's no amount of of tradition that can fix this. And so a solution needs to be done or a ransom needs to be paid. And having, and it all comes out in the wash type of mentality will not cut it. Hoping for the best will not cut it. Believe what you want, and I'm sure he'll understand, is not going to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and our little speck of a human heart when we're in comparison to a perfect and holy God who who created the universe and the planets and the Milky Way. Our good intentions, our little works, will not compare. 
And so a solution was needed and God did it. He sent his only son to earth to live a perfect life that we could not live. Get that. <laughs> he lived a perfect life that we could not live and would die a death that we deserve to die. And in that moment on the cross as he died, our sinfulness, that issue, that the problem was put on Jesus and he paid the price. He suffered the consequences so that we could live forgiven and freely. It's amazing this great exchange that took place. But it didn't end there. See, a couple days later, Jesus rose from the dead, which really is the proof in the pudding. <laughs> I mean, if Jesus stayed dead, we shouldn't trust anything he says. I want you to think about that for a moment. If Jesus stayed dead, we shouldn't trust anything he says. Paul says that it, it, it's a foolishness. It's craziness if, if, we, if we believe Christianity if Jesus stayed dead. But because he rose again, we can trust what he did. We can trust what he says. And we, we can trust that one day we will live forever with him in eternity. The Bible says that all who call upon Jesus, all who believe in him, confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts, they will not be put to shame, but they will be saved. See, Jesus is the only way to God because he fixes the problem. It's not a matter of following the right pillars or the dis disciplines. It's not about ridding yourself of your desires. It's not about trusting. It's not about just trusting in yourself or doing enough good works. It's about trusting in that event. That Jesus died in your place for your sin. And that he rose again, giving you forgiveness and freedom and new life in him. It's, it's believing that Jesus paid the price that he did it. It's believing in it. Confessing it. It's this idea of God loved the world so much he gave his only son. That whoever, what, hopes for the best... We'll get eternal life. No, the Bible says that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So what are you saying, Jordan? Are you saying there's going to be people that will not get to experience the fullness of heaven? Will not get to go to heaven? Are you saying that, that there are people who will suffer eternally in hell? I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And it breaks my heart. I believe it breaks God's heart. To think that people I love and care about will not get to experience the freedom that comes with following Jesus here, now, in this life. That breaks my heart, but it breaks my heart to know that one day they will not get to experience Jesus in all his fullness in heaven. And the accusation always comes, well, Jordan, how do you serve a God like that? How do you, how do you serve a God like that, that delights in the judgment of innocent people? See, here's the problem. None of us are innocent. None of us are innocent in comparison to God. Not one of us, we've fallen short. We all get things wrong and we need a fix. We need a solution. God does not delight in punishment. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's this idea that, that God wishes. <laughs> he wishes that all would turn from their way and follow his way. In the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, God says this. He has this moment where he's pleading with people to turn from their ways. He says, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? He goes on to say, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God, so turn and live. In chapter 33, he says this, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
but that the wicked turn from his evil way and live. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die? See, God does not delight in evil being punished and people dying for this. His desire is that all would repent and believe, but payment must be made for our sin. And what happens? What happens if someone doesn't receive this free gift of grace? What if someone says, I don't want Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with him. What must God do? I guess in some sense, all roads do lead to God. Stay with me. I mean, at one point or another, every single person on this earth will stand before a holy God. Each one of us, whether we like it or not, will, at the end of our lives, we get to meet our maker. And we will stand before him, and and some will be accepted into eternity, and others will not. And see, they'll be judged based not on their track record, not on how well they knew their Bible, not on how much humanitarian work they did or how much social justice they did, not based on their good intentions, not based on what they think is most fair, but but based on where we stand in Jesus Christ. Because none of those fixes the sin issue. The question is, did we trust him as our savior? Did we believe in his death and resurrection? Did we believe that event, that news, that he's finished it? Did we repent of our sins and and follow him? Did we abandon our lives and receive forgiveness from him? See, the truth is, one day, every knee will bow before Jesus. Some will bow in judgment. Others will bow in worship. In 1 Timothy 2, 3, it says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God. God, our Savior, who desires all people be saved. It's God's desire for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And that is Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. He says, look, uh, God wants everyone to come to knowledge of the truth. Truth can be known, and his name is Jesus. And he says, there is one God, and there is mankind. And in between, there's a mediator. There's a mediator, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus offered himself as a ransom, as the payment for our sin. And by believing in his death and resurrection, by believing on what was accomplished on the cross, we do not need to fear the future. We know where we are headed. We know what's in store for us because we have put our faith not in what we're doing, not in our hopeful, wishful intentions, not in our best hopes. We are putting our faith, we're putting our life, we're putting our assurance in the fact that it's been paid for, it's been done by the work of Jesus on the cross. Do you fear the future? Can you say with assurance that one day you will be accepted into heaven before God? You get to experience eternity with him? Do you have assurance of that? Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 7 speaks about two gates. And he says one gate is wide. One gate is wide and everyone enters it. He talks about how it's crowded and it's the easy one to find and everyone's headed down that way. The other though is narrow. It's a narrow gate and it's hard to find and few walk down it. The wide gate, the one everyone finds and the one everyone's walking down, the easy one is an easy one to walk. But he says it leads to destruction. 
You know, I couldn't help but think the few times I've gone to a Blue Jays game where I've hopped on the train either here or in Oakville, and you hop on the train, you're wearing your Blue Jays jersey, you know, that one time a year, and uh, you get down to Union Station, and really, every time I go down there, I have no idea where I'm going. No idea where I'm headed. But all I know is if I just follow the crowd, man, if I just blend in with all the other blue jerseys, and I just walk aimlessly, I'll eventually get to the, the Blue Jays Stadium. When I think about the wide gate, I think about that. Because it's easy to go that direction. It's easy to go with these people. But Jesus says the wide gate, the wide way, the wide path, the easy path, that's the one that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow gate. <laughs> there's a narrow way. Few venture down it. But it leads to life. A hard walk. But one that leads to life. You know, as I've been preparing this sermon, I couldn't help but think about how right now there is huge pressure to walk the wide path at times. To want to play it safe and be compassionate and considerate, which are good things. But I think we must be careful to communicate any message that sounds like all paths lead to God. Because if we truly want to be caring and compassionate, we must say that, yes, there's a wide gate, but it leads you to destruction. And there is a narrow gate that, yes, it may seem like you're going against the flow. It may be hard to find. <laughs> it may not be popular, but it leads to life. See, I believe that, yes, there is only one way to God, and it's through the person of Jesus. And though it may seem nice and friendly to say that, hey, we're all on a path and we'll eventually get there. I don't believe that's true. So my question for you today is this. When you meet God, on what side will he divide you? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he say, depart from me, I never knew you? Do all paths lead to God? Not in the sense that Oprah Winfrey believes. But one day, every knee will bow before Jesus. Every tongue will confess that, yeah, indeed, you are Lord. But some will say it in worship, and some will say it in judgment. I pray today, if you're watching... We are reminded of this truth and the urgency that comes with the gospel that there is one way to God and his name is Jesus. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to encourage you today <laughs> to begin that journey by just praying with me in a moment. And for the remainders of you, maybe you've already begun a relationship with Jesus and you, you know where you're headed. I just am praying for just a, a Holy Spirit-empowered boldness for you in these days. To not just to walk the wide path, but to say, hey, I've chosen the narrow path, and I want to point people to that direction. May we pray? Father, I just thank you for each person in listening today. God, we thank you that you had not made us guess or hope but Lord, you gave us a revelation in the person of Jesus and in your, your word. We don't have to wonder, like Thomas, hey, what is the way? God, thank you for being so clear that, that Jesus is the way to God. And so, Father, I just pray you give us that assurance.
Father, for those that are, that are wanting to begin a relationship with Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd help them. And if you're watching right now, I'm just going to say, would you pray along with me and pray this prayer and let us know. And we would like, to, this is just the beginning. This is, you know, if you pray this prayer, let us know because this is just the beginning of a great journey for you. It's not just like I pray the prayer and I'm done, that's it. I want you to, we want to walk alongside you. So why don't you pray with me? Dear Father, I believe you died and rose again. I want to live for you. And so I give you my life and I want to follow your ways. Father, I just pray for the people that prayed that prayer. Lord, I pray that they would get grafted into a good local church. And they would find leaders and people who would mentor them and disciple them. And Father, as we get ready to return to this building next week for our kickoff Sunday, I just pray that we would return safely. We would have a blessed week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for watching. We hope that you're blessed by the teaching today. And we, uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.